Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business, and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. It's very strange being in my position now because I've had so many operations and I've gone through so many different transformations to where I feel and look like a, like an average person around me. But yet internally, you know, it's kind of like maybe if you were super, super obese and then you lost a bunch of weight and, you know, but internally you felt like you had, you know, this kind of different person mm-hmm. inside. And like I remember when I was six, being at my brother's baseball game and wanting to play with this other kid. But his mom said that we couldn't play together because she thought that I was mentally disabled. You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you can tell and teach later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. Journey. All right, guys, so this is going to be a fun and interesting and kind of a mental geek out episode. I'm bringing on Kathleen Riley. We're going to walk through um, her journey of being born with a cleft lip and, you know, uh, what it was like to grow up and go through all the surgeries and dealing with the kids that age. And then, you know, off to college and, you know, through neuroplasticity and some other programs, finding herself and it's been a pretty cool journey so sit back and enjoy as you know we kind of geek out over kathleen's story all right guys gonna be another fun episode i'm donnie bovine this is donnie success champions and today i'm bringing in miss kathleen riley i'm looking forward to this one she's got a heck of a story a heck of a journey so miss kathleen welcome to the show my dear please tell us your story hi hi donnie thanks for having me absolutely absolutely all the way from from manhattan yeah, yeah. Happy Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So walk us a little bit through your journey. Um, you know, you've had kind of a, a crazy story and a crazy ride. Take us through a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So um so I'm twenty eight and so many, many years ago when I was born, I was born with a unilateral cleft lip and palate, right? So it's actually a fairly common congenital birth defect, and I think it's one in 7,000 maybe. So basically, immediately, you know, you're not able to breastfeed, so there are issues there, and then you go right into hospitalization, right? Basically, about six months later, you have your first operation, And we still don't know a lot. Actually, we know very little about childhood hospitalizations and trauma. And so, so 
that's a whole I'll I'll stay on this story track. <laughs> that'll 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 come up later. But so had my first correction at six months to sew up the lip. And then from there, what often happens, you know, when you have, say, a cranial malformation in the womb is, um, you know, you have other complications, right? So then there were a lot of inner ear infections. So then I had three different operations for that. So basically, after... Up until about 10 was when I had, you know, maybe I think 12, 11 or 12 of my operations. And then by the time I was finished with everything at the age of 24, I had about 17. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of, I don't don't know, is trauma the right word to use? But I mean, that's a lot to put on, you know, anybody, let alone a young kid to go through all that why did they wait so long to go from six months to 10 years old to do a lot more of the surgeries? Is it growth? Is it, is it what? I'm, you know, walk me through that a little bit. It's growth. It's wanting to make sure that, so for example, with the inner ear infections, you have to get tubes inserted into your ears so that it will drain over a period of time and then you get them out and then if it happens again. So obviously you want to deal with the situation as, as it comes up. The early, early operations have to do with breastfeeding. And then basically, there's a certain number of operations that you can have done before your face finishes forming at the age of 17, right? So the, you know, the idea is to basically for social reasons too, so you can like fit in as much as you possibly can. (laughs) The idea is to, you know, get as many of them done, you know, before you kind of hit that age of self-awareness and and that kind of thing around around other kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and kids are jerks. I mean, kids suck. (laughs) Knowing that I wasn't Mr. Popular growing up, kids are horrible. Is it okay if I ask what that was like growing up that way? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm sure someone, you know, <laughs> to this podcast and will probably know someone or maybe who has been Right, right. I mean, so I you know, so young I was the kid with glasses, you know, was Mr. Class Clown cuz that was the only way I could, you know, find some sort of fit in and you know, I probably was a jerk in some, you know, instances, but but I think I sat on both sides of the fence. What was it like for you going through those those times dealing with our wonderful youth? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing because people all around are very strange when they are around someone who looks, you know, figuratively different, right? And it's it's very strange being in my position now because I've had so many operations and I've gone through so many different transformations to where I feel and look like a like an average person around me. But yet internally, you know, it's kind of like maybe if you were super, super obese and then you lost a bunch of weight and, you know, but internally you felt like you had, you know, this kind of different person Mm -hmm. inside and but people like, I remember when I was six, being at my brother's baseball game and wanting to play with this other kid. And 
but he and he was you know probably five or six and but his mom said that we couldn't play together because she thought that I was mentally disabled oh right? so, you know, this is like a 50 year old woman right <laughs> you know and so there's just like it, it you know it doesn't make any sense how you could possibly arrive at that conclusion but people are very strange around others who look different right there was always, growing up, there was always, you know, the double takes, you know. And then I had, because of the inner ear infections, I had, like, vision tracking issues because what happens is, you know, the central part of the ear, there is essentially where balance is, right? It's where the brain is able to, you know, correctly track the eyes essentially so if you have a lot of inner ear infections right there you know where it all happens it has ramifications Mm. a lot of the time you know not every time so it was like you know both challenges being out in the world and and associating with other kids but yeah and then and then the visual challenges because What's happening, it's called strabismus. What's happening is the brain is only interpreting about 50% of the information that it processes, right? So obviously, like, those are going to have ramifications in school, right? So, so then, you know, there are a lot of learning challenges, you know, so it was like, oh, it's Kathleen. You know, I was also the class clown, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like where... You know, and I had a lot of friends, and, you know, it was it was fun. I went to a small Waldorf school, so, you know, I didn't get, you know, it wasn't like this awful, massive school where I just was preyed upon, thank God. But, yeah, there were definitely some ramifications. It's just, you know, I think as because you know that you don't fit in, in any way, anywhere, and you're not, you know, we don't really have mentorship programs for kids who go through these challenges. So you never actually meet anyone. It's just you. So, <laughs> also, you know, so, so as a result, you kind of become very, very inward and you find safety and refuge by being alone, you know, mm. and it's not to say I didn't have friends. I had a lot of friends, but, I always felt safest, you know, alone because you just innately don't feel like you fit in because you don't look like anyone else, right? Well, and, of course, at that time, there's no judgment. There's no persecution. There's no anything. It's just you, right? It's just, like hanging out. It's like, you know, people who really, really struggle with social interaction and they love animals because they feel judged, you know, they feel like they're in a judgment-free zone, you know? I think you just described my wife to a T, so. She's a vet tech, and, you know, she's got a T-shirt that I bought her once upon a time. that says, I don't care who dies in the movie as long as the dog lives. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you've gone through all of these surgeries, a little bit of the social anxiety, and, you know, you're now 28 years old, look amazing, living on top of the world in New York. What are you doing with all of this, this life and things that you have now? Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely, I think we all understand that, Well, actually, that's a generalization. 
some of us can take our challenges and create massive transformation and do something with our challenges. And so I would say that, let's see, what am I doing? What am I doing now? Or do you want the trajectory over the last 10 years? Let's do the trajectory. That'd be fun. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So rewind. All right. So I have all the learning challenges. So I got, you know, I have to like work really hard to prove to everybody that I'm smart. Right. So then I went to college, but the first two years was a total, you know, it was terrible. I was not, I was not invested. I should not have gone to college and, you know, right at 18. But so then I take a gap year because, you know, my GPA was in the toilet and I was just, you know, intoxicated the whole time. So (laughs) it was just not, yeah. So I take, I take a year off and I knew that I really needed, let's see, I was about 20 at this time. So I knew that I really needed a grounding, you know, I came from a pretty affluent family so I, I needed something that would ground me and kind of mature me, you know, because I felt, uh, you know, just kind of like I was sort of flying around in the wind and, you know, I had no direction. I was studying social work because it was just, you know, a really broad topic, you know, whatever. So I went out to San Francisco for a year and spearheaded this live-in internship program at a homeless shelter and it wasn't like this crazy you know you know let's take in all these super drug addicted people you know it wasn't like that it, it was really a place where families and this is this was 2012 so there were still some remnants of the housing crisis right and the job market was pretty slow and So this is a place for families to come and, you know, stay for about six months and get, you know, get help on finding a job and help on finding permanent housing. So my job was to, you know, get up super early, like 5 a.m. and help the parents take care of their kids and get them up for school and, you know, all those things that a lot of these parents actually really struggled doing and and the people who I came into contact with and worked with for this year had had just unbelievable experiences in their lives, right? And just, yeah, I mean, really insane experiences that could totally debilitate a person, but they were completely normal. They were just... I mean, we, you know, they walked around, they did the things they needed to do. The interactions were totally, like, they were just very, very strong, resilient, very average people. And so that was something that really kind of shocked me how you can go through these experiences and and be so strong and, and resilient. And so that was a very good lesson for me. And also to serve, you know, just to serve for a year. I mean, it it was definitely a bit of a roller coaster. You know, I did not enjoy it the bulk of the time. But to help other people really, you know, really allows you to grow and transform. So during this time, I started doing what's called behavioral optometry, vision therapy, to correct the tracking issue with my eyes because I was all, I had already cultivated self-awareness at that point. (laughs) So I wanted to, 
I wanted to really explore a different avenue of addressing a problem. And so, and I knew a little bit about neuroplasticity and I knew a little bit about how the brain interprets information when your eyes are not tracking. And so then I found this wonderful optometrist in the Bay Area and I just went to town on these exercises. And I had actually, my mom had tried to get me to do these, you know, when I was in middle school, but I just didn't care, you know. And you, ha- you have to be older. You have to really kind of suffer enough. I know it's a terrible thing to say, but you really have to suffer and go through the, the real. I call you got to get punched in the face by life. Yeah. You know, because cause if you don't get knocked down, then you don't know how to pick yourself up. You know, and it, it, it's it's the fun thing about life is if you don't go through it, you can't evolve and become the person you need to become. So so sometimes for people going through it, is they got to damn near lose it all. And, you know, to get a shock to the system enough that they can start finding themselves to be able to move forward and go. Sounds kind of like a lot of what you were going through is you had to get to that spot. I mean, for me, it's like my dad gave me a book, Think and Grow Rich, when I was 14. I didn't read it until I was 22 years old. Yeah. You know, because it didn't make sense in my life, in my head at the young age of 14. I'm like, why the hell am I going to read, let alone, you know, a self-help book? <laughs> I'm getting allowance, Dad. Right, right, right. So you're going through these life experiences, and you're learning what, how to turn into an adult, which, you know, adulting's not always fun. You know, <laughs> apparently that's a term now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like adulting today. How do you think this all has shaped you into who you are now? Yeah. So right around this time, I started developing serious anxiety. And what actually happened prior to this, I had been going through some depression spells, but Again, they weren't severe enough, right? You know, you don't change until things become a real problem. But so actually, it's it's really, I, I find, because this is the work that I do now. I work with people who have chronic anxiety. So I, I find all of this fascinating. So one morning, every Sunday, I would go to this diner. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like this kind of greasy old diner, but whatever. I enjoyed it. Coffee, eggs. I had my, my uh, economist, and I would read. And so one morning I go in and and I sit down at the bar or stool or whatever, and then I get this overwhelming, for any, anyone who's ever experienced a panic attack, right, you get this overwhelming belief that everybody is staring at you, right? And, and I'm kind of looking around, and I, literally, I think everybody's staring at me, and everybody's, you know, just got all these judgments about me. Right. And this, I mean, this is, this all, you know, dates back to internalizing, you know, shit as a child. Right, right. right. So then, you know, my heart starts beating really fast and the sweating and the hyperventilating and the shaking, you know, I go to put like pepper on my eggs and I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) shaking all over the place. So that was, you know, I just paid and left and I pretended to have a phone, like an important phone call. I was like, oh, I have to get this, you know. Um, 
And so from that, so first of all, that set up neural patterns of panic around going into crowded enclosed spaces alone. So that started to become an issue for me. I would start getting panic attacks a lot, not every time, but a lot when I would go into you know, coffee shops or places alone, right, where, you know, with other people. I mean, it's, it's a crazy situation. And then, and then I started developing chronic anxiety every day. And that was like, you know, waking up in the morning, just feeling extreme tightness and challenges with breath and, you know, just feeling like there's so much pressure pushing down on you when, I mean, all you, all your, I mean, you just get up and, you know, you make some breakfast and coffee and you start your day. I mean, it's just a day, you know, why does everything feel so suffocating? So that's really what started happening. That was happening in junction with, you know, me doing my vision therapy. And, and so basically, okay, after a year in San Francisco, I go back to college and I've completely transformed as a student because, A, my brain was actually processing 40% more information than it ever had before in the classroom because of this, these, uh, these therapy, vision therapy exercises that I was doing. I was like the optometrist star student because I was completely and utterly dedicated to transforming the way that I looked, right? And I'm curious at that point when you things got better because of that therapy, did your mom ever look at you and say, I told you so? Because I would have been a parent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We had numerous conversations like, well, you know, this is what I, you know, paid my legs and arms for for you to for you to do in middle school. I'm glad you're doing it now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but she understands how kids think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to be. That's why I don't, that's why I only work with adults. I don't work with kids because you really have to suffer. You have to go through that to want to be the butterfly, right? It's interesting because, you know, I think some kids, and I don't want to, I'll use your phrases earlier. I don't want to put a blanket phrase on it, but I think some kids have the idea they want to change, but they, once again, haven't gone through enough to understand that they really should make a change. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think early on, you know, a lot of people find themselves in the spot of, you know, I wish I could do X, but it puts them in a even further mentally awkward position to, to admit that they need to go do X, you know, cause they're already dealing with their own head trash and everything else. It's interesting. So, now you go through all of this light training and, you know, all I can think of is like some Star Wars movie or something and they got a beam of light <laughs> that they're flashing in your eyes. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a sci-fi geek, so that was the best way I could come up with it. So, And now your learning capability is better, which is just amazing technology. I mean, that's that kind of stuff is like something you would see on Star Wars, Star Trek or something, you know. What was it like the first time you really were sitting in a classroom – and you were like, holy crap, I'm retaining this. I'm actually learning this stuff. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I switched my major to economics and finance when I got back. And I was completely and utterly obsessed, you know, 
like a like a small child who grows up in a town deprived of books, you know, and then all of a sudden finds a library. I was just completely and utterly obsessed. Oh, so you were literally Belle from Beauty and the Beast now. <laughs> I, I wasn't raised on Disney, but I know the thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I just, honestly, I just ditched all of my friends. I had one friend at college, and I just lived in the library. And I became obsessed with learning everything that I could from history to economics to finance. Those were the biggest interests for me at that point. And then my grades went way up and I transferred out. I really didn't like the university where I was. So I transferred to Loyola in New Orleans. Why did you go to New Orleans? Oh, my dad's from there and I have strong ties there and I love New Orleans. Okay. Right. Yeah. And it was a small, it was a very small economics department there with some really, you know, well-known professors in the Austrian economics world. So, yeah, so there I sort of continued my enlightenment period, right? Like <laughs> my, my intellectual, you know, realizing period where I just continued to learn and loved it. But all along, I was being driven by belief patterns that said you have to prove you're smart. You have to prove you're smart. And, oh, my gosh, I would do all these ridiculous things like, you know, take books with big, you know, titles, lofty titles around in public and make sure everybody <laughs> that I was reading important, you know, just silly, silly, silly things to make sure everyone knew that I was smart. And when you're being driven by this obsessive need and you're constantly, constantly anxious, basically like having heart palpitations. All right. right. It's just, it's exhausting and, it, and it's not sustainable. It's interesting what the mind does when we're you know internalizing so much you know especially the, the input from other people and everything else and a lot of times I mean, I'll speak about myself you know you start putting almost fantasies there when you're growing up of what you believe other people are thinking and saying and doing and talking about that aren't even real things you know you hear something and then you interpret it, you know, some other, other way. You've had one interesting ride, girl. Hey guys, it's Donnie here. And I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company. And this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms. But we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for you know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Point Blank Safety Services does safety differently. We know everyone is on a journey and we want to make sure you get where you're going safely. Professional, trained, ready. There's really no comparison. Here's why hiring Point Blank Safety for your next project 
will make all the difference and save you huge amounts of stress and hassle. Point Blank Safety Services provides certified, uniformed police officers for a full suite of armed guard services. Don't leave the safety of your project to chance. If you're ready to make sure safety truly comes first for your next project, then visit us at pointblanksafety.com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because you don't, you know, I don't really, I don't even necessarily, there's a part of me that doesn't see my experience as different from everyone because everybody has these individual amazing experiences, but for some reason, my life has shaped me in such a way where I'm doing things that no one else is doing. Mm. Um if that makes sense. Totally, totally. Yeah. So so now you're working with people, helping them deal with their mess, you know, and the things they're going through. And, you know, I tell my clients all the time is the only thing I do is help you deal with your own mess, which is very, very, very interesting because, you know, I, I love it when somebody's helping other people with something that they went through themselves. Yeah. Like right? they understand the process, they understand what's going through. And I saw a uh, meme the other day that was just really, really, really cool. And it was about a military veteran, and the veteran was down in this hole, and he was dealing with his anxiety and depression issues and everything else. And a psychologist came by and was offering advice and asking questions. And you know, the veteran responded, "Goes, I get it, I liked it, but I'm still in this hole." The doctor came by through medication and everything else because I feel a little bit better, but I'm still in this hole. You know, and friends and family came by and kept coming back, but I'm still in this hole. And then along came another veteran who jumped down in the hole with him. And the first veteran said, what are you doing now? We're both in the hole. And the second veteran goes, don't worry. I've been here before. I know how to get out. And I thought, ah, oh, that's perfect, man, because that's it. I mean, if you've been through it, you can take somebody else in theory through the process of getting out. So I really appreciate that's what you're doing. Walk us through a little bit how you're working with people and how you're, you're is coaching the right word in this aspect of, of getting them through their processes? So once I was able to really heal my own anxiety and uh, panic attacks were not a problem for me anymore. So this is you know, about four and a half years of doing this. I, didn't really realize what I was doing at the time, but what I was doing was I was creating extremely real experiences of calm and peacefulness, safety, love, right, support for my nervous system. And the brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality, right? If you create an experience that is so real for yourself, then you're literally having that experience. So if you're someone who's chronically anxious, and this ties into the work that I do, so if you're someone who's chronically anxious, you can think of an anxious nervous system as sort of like a dried-out desert, you know, when it comes to having experiences of feeling calm and safe, right, and peaceful. And people who don't struggle with chronic anxiety, they're – you know, their their state is, you know, 
they're calm, they're even keeled, you know, they're alert, they're aware, but they're moving throughout the day without having, you know, hyperventilation, essentially. Right. You know, things are, you know, some, maybe a challenge comes up. Well, that's okay, all right? We'll deal with the challenge, you know. Unless it's a really big deal, then there might be a bit of anxiety, but it's not, it's not every moment of the day. And so what I was doing was I was rewiring my nervous system. I was rewiring my brain. So this took a couple of months of doing it every single day, many times a day. So then later after I, I like worked in DC for a brief spell, after I decided that was not the life for me, I started a coaching practice and and then it became very, very clear that I wanted to work with people who struggled with chronic anxiety and panic because, like you said, I had been in that hole, right, you know, and I knew how the hell to get out of it. And, yeah. yeah here's, here's what I love about that is I love that you said that, you know, you're rewiring your brain, you're reworking your brain because there's a phrase called stuck in a rut. And where that comes from is literally the ruts in your brain – are formed by the memories and thoughts and everything else we do. So when you're stuck in a rut, you're stuck in one frame of thinking in that brain crease. And, you, and science has shown that you can actually change those creases, for lack of a better way, those ruts, by reprogramming yourself with different thought processes and everything else. You were doing this. Did you have knowledge that you were, I, I, I want to say proving science, but that you were doing something that that they've spent billions of dollars on proving that you can do type thing, you know? I love science is so funny because people don't do it until, you know, millions of dollars have proved that it right. works. I, mean, I understand, like, if you're going to sell a product, you know, you're going to sell, like, I sell my, my program, it needs to be backed up, and I, and I harp on the science a lot, you know. But, no, so at that at that time – I just before I started working with these exercises, I had I had my eye muscles cut. So I was I couldn't see for for several days. I was just kind of lying there in darkness. I heard that. Right. You had your eye muscles cut. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very common operation for people who have their business. All right. <laughs> Just the whole thought of somebody getting in here with a sharp object in my eyeballs. You know, that's not something I want to have fun. I mean, you'll hang around with. I know. They really open up your eyelids and get back in there. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it. yeah, it's kind of the healing process. Like you have twigs in your eyes, oh. it's like, but you can't itch it. It's very strange. Once again, no thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? The third layer of Inferno. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd rather lay in a bed of fire ants, so. (laughs) Man. Oh, my God. But what it was, uh, if you've heard of those amazing Buddhist retreats that you can take and you spend a week in darkness and silence... It was kind of like this. It gives you an opportunity to go really, really deep inside of yourself. And that, honestly, like that was the, those four days of darkness was kind of the transformation period, the big kind of turning point. 
And so right after that is when I started doing these exercises and energy work. And so that at that point, no, I didn't really know that I was doing something that had been heavily funded, you know, in the scientific field of, 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 of neuroscience, you know. But, yeah, like you said, getting out of a rut, it's basically, if you can think of a rut as a well-used pathway, like the road that you always turn on, you know, next to home, that is the the rut. That's the habit. And, and unfortunately, well, for, you know, many, many, many thousands of years ago, it was really great to be programmed to – have an intense fear response and and attach to the negative influences in our environment, right? The negativity bias. But now that doesn't serve us so well anymore in this modern world, you know. So we, you know, we're we're sort of walking about with you know these very primal fear systems in our brains, and so you know all this information that we're exposed to and and all of the you know, just kind of the nuttiness of the modern world can really easily set you into a pattern of chronic anxiety and panic. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, just reading some of those studies just because I'm curious about them, but how our brain still thinks we're in like this prehistoric, you know, time frame with dinosaurs and stuff. It actually hasn't evolved from that. And it comes from the whole mentality of when you were a caveman, you know, rejection meant death. You know, if you were you know, kicked out of the tribe, then you were on your own to protect and defend yourself against, you know, the world's monstrosities. And it usually meant death. And, oh, we, yeah. <laughs> you know, we still carry some of those fear mechanisms, you know, in us. And they've evolved with our times, but we overinflate those fears to manifest themselves in some crazy, crazy ways, which is really, really, really wild. Now you're working with people and helping them get through their mess, their their chronic anxieties, depressions, and everything else. And, you know, I love the fact that you brought in that the Buddhist side of things is I'm not great at meditation. You know, I try that kind of stuff, but I do know when I'm able to quiet my crazy-ass mind for one or two minutes, <laughs> it's when I have the biggest breakthroughs. You know, so I love the fact that you get to, to spend in a very horrific, painful, itchy, eyeball way. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that you got to. <laughs> right. I was seller for four days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I think it's cool that, that you got to go through that experience to see what a lot of people are trying to get to because. You know, it's not until we learn to turn it all off that sometimes we can figure out who the hell we are. You know? Yeah. And you figure out, dude, this is because my thoughts and then I'll go into a little bit of, you know, my work because I know you asked me about that and then I went off on a tangent. But my thoughts during that period was, OK, this day and age, people live until they're like 80 plus years old. There's no way that I can live the rest of my life in this, essentially what felt like a prison cell, which was my mind, of constant judgment. It was like I'm judging myself. I'm judging other people. I'm never good enough. I mean, it was just this awful hamster wheel slash prison place. 
And, and so that's what I really came to was that I can't live my life in this incredibly, you know, and my, my depression had gotten worse and it was like, Oh my God, there's no way I can live 80 years on this planet, you know, <laughs> this mind. So yeah, that was the real turning point. But so what I've done is I've taken not only the, um, the real strategies that worked for me, but also I've gone through a couple of um, neuroplasticity training programs um, and coach, uh, one coaching neuroplasticity program and then one um, other uh, program that teaches you the, the step-by-step strategies to rewiring the brain and rewiring the stress response. So after doing that, I built a two-month program, an eight-week program, and what I have my clients do the first four weeks is about um, building sustainable and real experiences every single day, multiple times a day of calm, peace, you know, safety, those critical experiences and building them so much and so intensely. And it, all it is is neural pathways, right? You're utilizing the frontal cortex, right? The front part of your brain. Um, and you're utilizing that part of the brain less than you're utilizing the the fear center, right, the primal area where the amygdalas are and, and all that jazz. So you're moving into the front part of the brain. You're building neural pathways there that sustain this mindset. And after a month, this, um, this uh, state, this mental state becomes easily accessible. Um, all you have to do is think of it. It comes up. So then the last four weeks of my program is all about, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together, right? So it's all about wiring those early preconditioned neural pathways that are, you know, um, that were sustaining your, your, um, your fear and your anxiety, your intense fear. You know, we all, we always want to have that natural gift of fear, but your hyperactive fear response and, and hyper anxiety and panic. Um, so what you're doing is you're actually taking those particular neural pathways and you're attaching them to those neurons of peace and calm and safety and support and love. Those, those neural pathways are firing together over and over and over again. And I have my clients do particular targeted exercises every single day, multiple times a day for the remainder of the eight weeks. And the results, I mean, the results have been really, really amazing. So that's the work that I do, and, and I feel super privileged. Well, and yeah, that's, that's so awesome. And I know the, the champions that listen to the show, one of the questions they'd want to ask was, what if it's not chronic anxiety? What if it's, you know, they are, you know, they don't feel confident. They don't feel um, sure of themselves. They don't feel strong. They don't, I mean, they, they feel meek and, and those type of things. It's not really depression or anxiety, those type of things. It's a, a, a self-awareness type thing. You know, will that kind of stuff work on them as well? So, yeah, actually, and this really plays into how I've built my kind of entrepreneur mindset of, you know, um, yes, I'm valuable. Yes, people can pay me for my work. Yes, I'm really good at what I do. And part of that, it has been, um, actually creating 
what you can do if you are someone who struggles with, you know, in personal value or um, you don't feel like you're a very powerful person in your space, right? Everyone has the capacity to tap into and create an experience of feeling the way that they want to feel, right? Um, so I would say to your to your listeners that um, you can you can once you once you really identify what that experience is and what that feeling is that you want to be having, like if you read books about people who are you know multi billionaires or whatever or you know insanely um, good athletes, right? People who are outliers, people who have really really just created, you know, massive results. When you read about their mindset and you read about um, how they really built um, certain belief systems for themselves, they did it actively and they did it through neuroplasticity. They did it by creating, identifying what they want, creating it in a very real way and just returning to it over and over and over and over again. And there's certainly something to be said for, you know, once you start getting results and you start feeling like you start reaching your your milestones, that obviously has an amazing impact on mindset. Well, Kathy, I got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun having you on here, sharing the story and geeking out with you a little bit over all this stuff. <laughs> you know, so I really have enjoyed it. How do people find you if they want to reach out, ask questions, you know, potentially take some of your courses and whatnot. How do they reach out to you? So I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Kathleen, K-A-T-H, not C, last name, R-E-I-L-Y. You can find me on, on Facebook, LinkedIn. My website is KathleenRiley.com. And yeah, absolutely. Shoot me any questions. Um, you know, we can do a call if you want. And yeah, I love my work, and thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, here's how we like to wrap up every show. And I do stump some people, so so get ready when I ask this question. <laughs> if you could listen, leave the champions who listen to this show with a quote, a phrase, a mantra, or a saying, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're stacked up against it and going through it, what would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. Remember this, you are not who you are in this moment. Ooh, damn, you went deep as hell. That <laughs> is a great, great, great quote. You need to get that one put on a T-shirt. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and your journey with us. Keep changing lives, girl. I see big things in your future. Right on. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. All right, girl. All right, to live. Thanks for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today, or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchampspodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at Donnie at DonnieBovine.com. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. 
Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.